All right, you guys, let's get this started then, right? Because really, what could go wrong once you press record? Right? Exactly, what could go wrong? <laughs> it's all going to be very perfect. All right, welcome. Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Crazy People Podcast. That guy over there is Maurice. I am Russ. And this is, uh, we, we made a deal early on. Every fifth episode, we do just us without a guest. So uh, we apologize, or we're very happy for you, whichever way this goes. <laughs> I first of all, I have to say I like your T-shirt. Um, that is fantastic. I know a guy. You know a guy. Yeah, that is that is fantastic. Look at you. Cheers. You got the you got the oh there. <laughs> Can we please have a merchandise merchandise <laughs> going? <laughs> we have a merchandise going on. How are you doing, sir? How is uh, life treating you? Uh, Louisville, Kentucky in the spring is a wonderful place to be. Uh, so long as you don't have allergies and everybody here gets allergies because it's so allergic. I was I was joking with people the other day. I love the colors of spring here in Kentucky. The, you know, the greens of the trees and the purples of the flowers and the yellows of the cars as they drive by covered with pollen. <laughs> <laughs> As somebody who's allergic against nature, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. How's life in your neck of the woods, my friend? Uh, we uh, we heard about areas in the world where there is spring. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we don't seem to be one of them. <laughs> I mean, there's Poland and, and things are getting gray, but the temperature hasn't changed. The rain got a little bit warmer than it was like a month ago. But um, that about it. And um, yeah, but um, things are going all right. A lot of business things are happening um, in, Busy time. In, in our business. Yeah, I told you um, before off the air, as you so yeah. say, right? I told you about um, a business trip to business and sales trip to Berlin. Uh, that was um, super interesting. And um, a couple of things that reminded me of some of the uh, conversations that we have with Jeff Bajoric, uh, Mr. Episode number two. Yeah. Uh, but also with Austin last week, uh, last, not last week, um, last episode or two episodes yeah, ago. Episode actually. eight, yeah. 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 So as, as I told you, I uh, assumed the sales role in our company. Um, so now I'm in the lucky position to own the customer from the first time they become a lead all the way to the haters <laughs> <laughs> um now all the way through customer success life cycle care account management yeah, and everything in between and i had to think of jeff quite a bit right um yeah. i don't know if you remember i asked him about um, how to ensure that your salespeople find their story, how to establish that, and so on. And uh, I had to go through it myself, right? Not knowing that <laughs> at the point I asked him that question back in, I don't know, January or February or whenever yeah. that was, that um, I would be the guy <laughs> <laughs> responsible just a few weeks or months later. This podcast so, comes in handy, I guess. So this go. podcast, I'm just it's teaching me <laughs> left and right, I tell you. <laughs> yeah, but um, he talked about, um, and that is something that I wanted to ask you about, as you yeah. are in a sales role too, right? We, mm -hmm. we had a discussion with Jeff um, where we talked about finding your sales story and find your your pitch and finding your energy and so on. And how does that work for you? How do you go about that? Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with what Jeff said, um, which was really uh, sort of just find yourself in it. And, you know, don't don't necessarily think you have to go everybody else's way about it. Um, actually, I, I've been talking to a couple of uh, startups, uh, kind of advising some founders about that same kind of thing about you know, somebody in the in the HR tech space and going, well, you don't have to be what everybody else is. You can figure out your own niche. And so when you go and present at a conference, you don't have to sound like everybody else. You have a unique story. You have a unique approach. And I, I've done the same thing myself. Try to try to understand where I feel 
the story resonates because if I'm going to be the one telling the story, I I, I really need to believe it. I need to understand it. Because um, if I don't, I go, hi, we have a great product. You love it. <laughs> All right, that's... And yeah, everybody will just fall asleep, right? So. <laughs> Yeah, that works. That works well. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I went through it right initially. Um, at the point where we talked to Jeff, I was like nine months in mm -hmm. um, doing salesy stuff and trying to get our sales teams mobilized from the outside, kind of, um, and helping them create their own story and finding their way. And then we made a change. <laughs> And now I'm the guy in charge. And it took me, even though I consulted from the outside, right? And I, and I thought I had a very good idea of how they needed to sell. Yeah. Now being the sales guy myself, it took me probably another three months to figure out my sales story, mm -hmm. right? And I'm, I'm the, the lucky son of a gun that created the new presentation, right? <laughs> <laughs> So the I, was, the I was the guy who built the deck. I better be able to tell the story of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then still struggle to find a story, right? Yeah, yeah. Because building a deck that looks nice and that has compelling arguments and all of that is one thing, and it's only half of the story, pun intended. Mm -hmm. um, the other one is how do you tell it, right? How do you approach it? Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, I told you about, uh, I mentioned the, the, the journey and the trip to Berlin where I, met, where I met like 15 of our customers in three days, which I cannot recommend. <laughs> <laughs> it's a whirlwind tour. Yeah. It's a totally fine to do that in five days <laughs> versus in three days, especially <laughs> if you have to drive a lot in between. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, along that trip, I what really worked out is I learned from my customer what my sales story should be, mm -hmm. right? Um, if you go kind of like through this trail of five meetings a day and plus calls, plus whatever, you kind of learn the hard way because <laughs> you, <have to, laughs> you have to go through it fast, right? You, cannot, yeah. you don't have a runway of an hour to kind of get comfortable and then figure it out along the way. And that is interesting uh, to the point where I talked to a customer today and um, you, you mentioned HR tech. I happen to be in a HR tech area too, or an environment too, where I told her that, hey, um, if you want to have, and we, are, we work in the area of company benefits, um, employee benefits. And the first thing I told her is, uh, hey, you can get um, employee benefits from anybody. You don't need us for it. And uh, she looked at me a little funny, like, huh? <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> I figured you were going to be pitching me on why I should buy it from you. Hang on a second. Wait a minute. She looked at me like, huh? Uh, come again? Yeah. <laughs> did, I, did I click the wrong link or what did I do wrong? And then... But then I um, I was able to utilize the sales pitch and and kind of was I think I was very clear in what differentiates us from the competition and makes mm -hmm. it more compelling a story and, and more compelling a pitch to what their needs are because that's yeah. something I figured out in the last couple of weeks and she could see that within five minutes I had her right. Mm -hmm. where yeah she was right there with me along the journey and i i, I hate presentations by the way i create presentations but i hate <laughs> following presentations yeah. in the order yeah. I, I like to do improv right where i click here i click there and whatever the conversation does and she um yeah that was that was a super cool experience to see that even though I got her off balance and she was kind mm -hmm. of on the heels, like look at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, <laughs> that within minutes, I could see the excitement. I could see that she felt understood because yeah. I wasn't talking about what it is that we do. I was talking about her needs, the, the ways of how I understood how her life is hard. I was asking her questions and 
um, that was a very cool experience. And the, the first one of that nature where it became so crystal clear, where I could see the the power of the store and the power of your strategy. Yeah. Where you push a customer to the left. And after that, because they didn't ex expect what you're doing, but they follow you all the way through the call to the where she left the call and said, this was impressive. Yeah. yeah. And um, yeah, that was really nice. That is, it is actually really cool when you, when you can get that kind of external feedback. It's one of the things that, that I found in my history and in, in helping other people kind of articulate their story too, is that you want to feel good inside that like this, this is resonating with me. I can feel passionate about this. I, I, I can live with this, but also you want to get that external feedback of, oh yeah. Okay. And you see people, follow you right down the path you made me think about um probably yeah it's a little more than a year ago i was working with a, a services company um they were doing software development kind of work and we were trying to help them put together a story that would resonate with customers and that everybody could, could kind of get behind what happened was for a long time it was really about you know what what were their unique selling propositions you know, their, their pricing was good and their quality was good. And so they'd, they'd like want to tell the story about the things that they were good at, but everybody kind of went, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. And, and in the end, none of the salespeople really felt good about it. So they were just trying to figure out uh, how do we tell this story? What do we do? Um, and it ended up being a lot more about people and convenience. Um, and telling a story about people is really hard, yeah. right? Telling a story that's like personal about the people that you work with and stuff is, is much harder than like, oh, we have 17 gigabytes of something, right? You can just sell a feature and it's like, I can throw it out there all day. But, but telling a story about people, it's hard. But that really resonated with both the salespeople and the customers because their customers were like, CTOs, heads of engineering and stuff who were trying to hire development and have development done and stuff. Um, and everybody was talking about, oh, we do all this QA and we have all these tools and we have, you know, whatever it is. But when you started telling them about, here's here's the people that you get to work with that I get to work with, right? Um, and and then you talked about, we, we want to make it really easy for you, which was really about the customer's pain. Because yeah. making it easy, making it easy for the customer is actually hard for the company, right? Um, but it was, it was part of it was about building a relationship, and part of it was about, hey, we want to solve your pain, um, and then you can tell that story, and here's how we do it, and here's why we're doing it, and here's how this whole thing works together, and and you know that kind of a story resonates with people. But I think way too often um, people get a job in sales, or they think about starting a company and they're doing the sales part of it and they're just like i'm gonna go pitch my features i'm gonna go pitch my price i'm gonna pitch an easy like easy contract uh, you know hey you know no down payment uh, right free first month uh, whatever it is. and people yeah. are like don't care <laughs> see that all day long <laughs> everywhere else like it's like what do you what makes you different right why yeah, why you right? but that's not an easy easy thing yeah. to figure out right no. It's, it's not so easy to say, hey, why are we different from any other benefit company in that, that seem to be popping out uh, up in even in Germany and in other countries anyways, right? Um, yeah. So what makes you different, right? That's, I think that's a challenge for any founder, not just a salesperson, but uh, yeah. any founding company. It's like, okay, why you, right? It's not... Mm -hmm. It's rare that you are Apple <laughs> with the first iPod or the iPhone <laughs> yeah. in 07 or that you are Tesla 10 years ago, right? Where yeah. nobody does what you do. Usually we are yet another bottle of water. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, oh, you invented water? Let me know, how did you do that, right? Yeah. Oh, we have and... a blue cap on our bottle of water. Huh? <laughs> exactly. Come on. And you our water it, is you? wet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the thing everybody has. Yeah. yeah. And um, that is, I think that's the, that's the magic sauce, right? Do you find 
um, your pitch that differentiates from all the other companies that are just like you? Just instead of blue, they are red. Instead of red, they are green or whatever, right? Mm -hmm. And um, but that's also the fun part about it, right? Especially if you are founding a new company and if you go in there. And um, but I've been talking to many new companies, many startups, many founders. I think that sometimes the the original founders, if they are the SMEs, so the, the subject matter experts of the mm -hmm. topic, <laughs> they don't get that pitch. Yeah. They are not able to step back far enough from the actual product to be able to tell that story. What do you think? I mean, you're consulting it a ton of startups. <laughs> yeah, I think, <laughs> I think that's I exactly the problem. But he, I, and I've, I've seen it happen in a couple of ways too, where the the, the founder or the technical person is kind of in, suddenly in charge of trying to talk to customers and they want to talk about all the stuff that they know because they know the ins and outs of the product. They know the ins and outs of the technology or the ins and outs of the industry and they want to yeah. throw all the jargon around or whatever it is. Um, but I also, even today, I talked to a partner um, and I work with a network security software company. And we were talking about how uh, the, the new product that we recently released is super important to us, but to the customers, it's really just, it's a, it's a cool thing that makes things better, but it's not enough reason to go and start something. However, talking about network security actually is a thing that people really want to talk about. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, yeah, but that's boring. We've been talking about that for years. It's like, well, now it's starting to catch on, right? So even me, who who I know these things, I get so enmeshed in the technology and the the that side of it where I'm like, look at this cool new technology we're releasing. And they're like, you know what that is? That's the cherry on top of the banana split, right? But that's just the cherry. It makes it super appetizing. What a great thing. Like it wouldn't be the same without that. But what really gets people excited is all the ice cream in the middle, <laughs> right? And you go, oh, okay. The thing that I thought, you know, five years ago, everybody wanted to talk about and they didn't. Now they finally got around to it. Okay. Yeah. Now they caught on. <laughs> yeah. And listen to all of our other episodes for more information on people who missed the timing and smashed into a wall. Because that's what happens. So, <laughs> yeah, that's that's super interesting and um, very common story. Very very common story. The thing is, I mean, you you never know when you're founding a company, right? You're yeah, rarely sure. in a situation like I am at right now, where we are founding out a subsection of our original company, and um, just to be better and easier to invest into and so on right and where you mm -hmm. already have your proof of concept and you already figured it out uh, the sales pitch works the story works and so on yeah. right but what i what i found is that these um these founders that are the smes they have, mm -hmm. sometimes have a hard time as i mentioned to split away from the yeah, yeah. in-depth knowledge mm -hmm. and they also have a hard time to just run the company afterwards yep. because that's not how they started they started out experts in their field mm -hmm. and not experts in starting company because experts in starting a company oftentimes lack the ideas what kind of company to found right unless it's a consulting yep. <laughs> <laughs> company right and that is something that is um and we heard a couple of stories like that right where it uh, and we're probably going to hear many more where there's people that are so versed in what they are doing mm -hmm. that they are missing the boat on okay how do you run your sales team yeah. how do you establish marketing what is necessary marketing what are the processes that you need to think of right how mm -hmm. do you make this entire operation more efficient right yeah because they are so into their products that's not what they want to talk about that's not it takes energy away from them right yeah and um so how do your startups that you work with how do they deal with that 
other than asking you one. <laughs> yeah, they find some uh, somebody to advise them. No, um, much more often we end up getting into a discussion, um, and I think this might resonate with you too, Maurice. Is that is how do you how do you sort of find your blind spots as as a founder, right? How do you pick a co-founder or a lot of companies that I talk to end up adding a co-founder quote unquote, right? But yeah. really like a year after or a year and a half after it's not, Oh, I'm a co-founder that started 18 months in. Well, that's not a co-founder. Okay. Whatever. <laughs> Just put your title on LinkedIn. There you go. But it's that whole idea of how do I be self-aware enough to realize that I'm not that good at all these things right so i i tend to work with a bunch of founders who are they're either very technical or they're product people um and they're like i know this industry i know this product i know the exact product i want to build i went and hired a bunch of folks somewhere who could write code and it kind of works but they were hands off on the engineering and now they're like oh now we got to go sell it to somebody eh. <laughs> what do i do right um, and you have that kind of problem all the time where people kind of hit the wall. And my encouragement is always do it poorly. It's okay. Do it poorly, but but try it and get out there because I've I've also worked with people. I, I worked with a guy who um, built, it was really for lack of a better word, it was really sort of a matching software for executives, right? For like interim partial executives trying to match them up with people and and talking to that guy he just he was like oh the sales thing should be super easy and i'm like well do you sell this and he's like well no but it should be really easy because we built a great product and as we know that how this works we know the whole process and we know yeah i'm like yeah but have you ever done it <laughs> <laughs> and and it's that like let me get out there and try it and and then realize that I have a blind spot. So that's sometimes you got to get there to get that self-awareness. Sometimes people just go and know you're like, I'm hopeless at sales. I have no idea. Help me, please. Um, and I always tell people, I, in fact, I had this conversation with a guy the other day. I said, my, uh, actually one of our subscribers I was talking to uh, on the podcast who who Ooh. said he looks oh. forward to listening to the, the podcast when it comes up when he's, when he's working out and stuff. So, yeah. uh, nice. But, uh, uh, and, and I was saying, when I talk to people, I'm like, I will help you figure out a sales process. I will help you figure out what the sales thing should be so that you can then go and find a sales co-founder who fits that niche. But yeah. understand, they're going to come in and they're going to make it their own. But I can help you kind of uncover that, figure that out. But I do it by getting out and talking to customers and, and figuring out what that really is and then go, okay. You need a guy who's really good, who has a lot of connections in enterprise software companies. You need somebody who's really good at building, you know, lead generation systems. You need somebody who's really, whatever it is, right? Whatever their needs are. Yeah. Um, but I think the whole thing, all of that boils down to, are you self-aware enough to realize what you can't do? And, to, and then to be humble enough to say, I need somebody who can help me do that. Somebody who can take on that thing. Who, who also, I'm the technical engineering guy, or I'm the product guy, or whatever it is. But I can work with them. Like we can, yeah. we can team up. We can be partners. Because um, it is, in a lot of ways, it is like being married. You're gonna spend a lot of time with that person. You're gonna smell bad, and they're gonna be tired, and you still got to get along. <laughs> yeah. And then comes you know, financial pressures and right, maybe yeah. you have different ideas or different priorities yeah. because obviously you're not a hundred people team where you only needed 50 so that you can throw people on stuff. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you have to do multiple things at, yep. at the same time. And um, sometimes what I, in, in my experience, because we talk about a lot about sales, right. But mm -hmm. even, if you talk to developers and so on, it's different if you're just in your garage or in your basement or mm -hmm. wherever you want to develop, uh, some dark room, I assume, if it is anything like me, yeah. uh, then, <laughs> <laughs> then um, it's easy to do that and do that within your pocket, right? Yeah. But as soon as you have to do it in the context of a company, 
and context of your company with customers and there's an expectation coming from the outside. Now you need so funny things like a roadmap. Now it needs to be a roadmap that you can at least somewhat yeah. depend on. Yeah. Not just for your sales guys, right? Um, and those sales guys, I tell you, those are the <laughs> <laughs> those are the worst, right? Yeah. But you you need to sometimes sell what's not there and what's not yet mm -hmm. on the shelf. Yeah. I am all about selling stuff that's on the shelf, but you need to, especially if you're a smaller company, you need to be able to provide some perspective. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the perspective yourself, how are you going to create that? <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, and when you when you have a co-founder or co-founders, um, yeah. a lot of times I advise people that you ought to have three. Um, the sort of three-legged stool analogy helps me. Um, but if you have co-founders there, you, you need to be able to, when you're, when the salesperson is promising something that's quote unquote aspirational, um, they need to have buy-in from the engineering person that that's an okay thing to promise so we can get there. And they need yeah. to have buy-in from the operational person is like, yeah, we can support that. We can make that work. But, and that's, that's why I say it is in a lot of ways, it is like a marriage. You, you got to, you've got to figure out how to work together and like having a roadmap or having a customer relationship thing or have all of these things, they have to really mesh together well. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That is the, that's the communication part, right? Yeah. Where you need yeah. to communicate. So this is what I'm selling out there or yeah. what I want to sell out there. Is that something that we can achieve at all? Is it something that we can do in the software or it's going to be manual labor, right? Yeah. Can we fake it until we make it kind of, yep. right? Yes or no? <laughs> <laughs> I, re what? I remember the first time I heard the, the term swivel chair functionality. And I was like, what is that? And we we're sitting in a big meeting around the conference room. And one of the guys just spun around in his chair. And he's like, I take it from here and I hand it over there. That's my time on a swivel chair. So I said, oh, so it's actually like, that's where the I human gets never involved. Heard, I've in the, never heard that before. It's a swivel chair function. I take it over here. I do something. I swivel over there and I put it down. I do something. Off it, off it goes to the next person. That is fantastic. But yeah, when you're, when you're a startup, that's you and you figure out co-founders that way to, who also can work that same way right finding somebody who's not ready to do that means you can you're going to have a bad marriage and your your startup is going to not uh, not survive yeah I, I mean the the sales kind of we had and uh, by the time this airs it will be long enough time between <laughs> 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 it's our other sales guys that I, that I work for because what I always have a hard time with is people that need everything perfect yeah, yeah. you know I'm an improv guy right I uh, <laughs> I go into <laughs> meetings and we've been in those meetings together yep. right? <laughs> where the improv starts and um, whatever plan we had is out of the window two sentences in right yeah um, but still, there need to be some guardrails in, in where mm -hmm. you can do that. And yeah. as long as you stay within those guardrails, it's fine. But I, I'm getting super frustrated with people that need everything perfect, where I'm mm -hmm. like, it's never going to be perfect. Whatever you think <laughs> is what the expected behavior is, there will be, especially in the next meeting, there will be somebody who wants something completely different and think yep. that everything that you just said is idiotic and that's not going to work. Mm -hmm. So what are you going to do then? Are you just going to get up and say, yep, this customer is not for me? Yeah. That is a fair behavior. It's, right? a fair it's, a fair, it's a fair assessment. Or are you saying, hey, let me... Let me try a different angle. Yeah. <laughs> so what is it that you need? <laughs> Instead of starting with my story first, right? And um, yeah, I need these, because uh, from a marketing side, right? At these, I need these 55 different documents, information, details, uh, presentation, whatever. Um, until I don't have them, I mm. cannot sell. That's a no. <laughs> yeah. I can write you books of full of information and you're not going to sell because you just don't want to sell. Yeah. Right? Yep. You just don't want to pick up the phone, click the Zoom link or whatever it is that you do, right? Yeah. You yeah. just don't want to do it. 
And um, yeah, that's uh, that's something I'm struggling with, um, getting in front of a person like that. Yeah, I think I think sometimes you can. I think you're exactly right. I think sometimes you can run outside those guardrails that you set for yourself and mess up. <laughs> and and your your other co-founders, your other co-workers, your team are all going to go like, wow, what'd you do? Um, but I think if you have those guardrails, then you have to figure out whether that customer on the other side is somebody who can work with you within those guardrails. Maybe you're all the way on the one side guardrail and they're all the way on the other, but you're still in the same kind of zone. You're like, uh, it's okay. We can, yeah. even, even if we're not lined up exactly, we're still kind of going the same way. What we're doing will fit kind of what you need, what you want to get to is kind of where we're going. Oh, okay. We can make this work. Um, but yeah, sometimes you, you have this whole kind of like thing, especially with, with coworkers sometimes where it's just, you're kind of out of alignment. Right. Um, yeah. I, I see this sometimes with with people who found companies with like people that they've known for a long time. Um, sometimes where that's a dream come true. And sometimes where it's just like, I never knew you were this way, even though we've known each other for 10 years. <laughs> so so what do you think about that? Like people who are like when because we talked about kind of looking at co-founders, what happens when you're like you're co-founding with a with a friend, with a buddy or with a long-term co-worker or something like that what do you think well it, it it depends right how how close is that friendship so i have nothing against co-founding doing stuff with people that you know right and that is fine but is it the guy that you also play tennis with every weekend uh, where the wives or girlfriends know each other uh, the kids play together you've been the best man and whatsoever where at which point is it too risky to do that because mm -hmm. what you maybe learn or the entitlement that comes with a close relationship like that especially mm -hmm. if it is not on the same eye level right if it's on the same eye level you're going to fight and you're going to figure it out right but if it's one is the boss and the other isn't that is i've seen that becoming an issue mm -hmm because the the other guy becomes a, a lot of times becomes entitled or there's some unfairness happening yeah, yeah. eventually right um where i think the the emotional distance isn't there to be fair which sounds weird um but i've i've seen it go wrong every time like mm -hmm. To know each other, to know, have basic information, to know that there's a trust and there's a general liking, right? Um, I've seen that work well most of the time, actually, right? But the close buddy buddy where you work and then you go party and and all the other entanglements are happening. Yeah. I've seen that crash and burn more times than not. <laughs> and I mean like big explosion. Tom Cruise movie type crash and burn, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, there's, there's, there's definitely, I think there's definitely a cultural element to it too, um, because I know people who started companies, uh, like just I'm just like starting a bakery or a pet store or something, right? With, uh, um, started with my brother-in-law and we're gonna we we get along so well. It's gonna be great, and then. You know, in month six, it's really hard to make payroll, and your the brother-in-law is like, "Well, I'm planning on going vacation, so I gotta get paid." And like, "Well, yeah, but we have the people who work at the front of the store, and they can't get paid. What do we do?" Uh, like, you run into each other. But then I've I've also noticed in some, like, I I I know a bunch of people who who are from India, some who are are still in India, and some of those folks in that culture. They have this thing where they could just, they'd get into that situation, like where they can't make payroll. They would yell and scream at each other for a half hour, but then they would sort it out and then they would be best of friends right after. And it'd be like, well, that's just because that was just the way they kind of like, this is how we resolve an issue. We just throw it out on the table and we scream at each other for a while. And then we come to a resolution and then we're good again and we're happy. Um, yeah. So there's, there's a certain element, I think, and it, it, maybe it's culture, maybe it's just trust. Maybe it's like, 
I know we're going to be friends after this anyway. So this is really hard, but you got to tell me I'm ugly. I got to tell you, you smell. We got to kind of wrestle with the stuff and then get through it. And I think not everybody has a relationship where they can go like, hey, uh, we're going to be friends tomorrow, but right now we got to hate each other until we get through this thing and then we can be friends again. Right. But that's sometimes that's really hard to do, especially if you've been friends for a long time, you have like this real set relationship and roles in a relationship. I think, I think sometimes you're, you're, you're totally right. And I think sometimes where that comes from is if you're close friends, mm -hmm. I think you tend to not talk enough about this stuff. Yeah, that's a great point. Right, you just assume, and we all know what assume means. Right? You just assume <laughs> that it's you're gonna figure it out. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the stuff needs talking about. Like, what do we do if you don't have this? What do we yeah. do if things go wrong? Yeah. Right, you're not interested enough in the other person because you assume you know how the other person ticks in every situation. Mm -hmm. to inquire about hey what do we do what do you think about this because you yeah this guy is going to think about that and it's not, not going to be a problem with that person right. <laughs> and it's an angle that you never even had a touch point yeah. right of that personality and um yeah that's that's difficult right it's uh, i mean again you mentioned the marriage part right in a marriage mm -hmm. you have to talk about a lot of things that you didn't yeah. anticipate <laughs> yep whatever the marriage started right <laughs> um but you have to learn to have these conversations mm -hmm. right because if if not the marriage is going to fail just like your your company's going to fail yep and um that's but that's in in the business area that's why i think it's sometimes easier if you have a certain likeness your friends and your your buddies mm -hmm. but it's not your best man it's not the whatever right godfather yeah. to your children and mm -hmm. you've known that person since kindergarten and you hung out through everything right yeah yeah right um yeah it's an interesting situation did you ever have that situation where you had a company with a best friend um very good I, friend i actually i i worked for uh, i was employee number three for a pair of friends who had they had been friends forever um and they had they were the they were like co-worker friends but they they hung out a lot um and then the problem was the company that we built together really got successful um and they both then individually wanted to claim credit for the success and the real the real answer was if everybody had just taken a step back and looked at it the 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 reason for the success was they had worked together really well for a long time and they were actually really good partners at working together. But then when they got some success, they both wanted to go look at it's, it's because of me we were successful. No, no, because of me we were successful. And that that was kind of the beginning of the end yeah. for that company. Um, but great friends before that, um, sitting with them and, and uh, working with them and, and hanging out with them in the early days of the company was fantastic. Um, sitting with them and, and working with them and then having to carry messages between the offices from one to the other because they wouldn't talk to each other toward the end is a little bit awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah I get that. I, I had this situation where I've seen it implode where mm -hmm. I wasn't one of the super friends. Yeah. Um, and I also been involved in it, right? Um, where I was buddy with somebody and um, then, but however, what, what happened there is the interest changed and mm -hmm. one wanted out and that was okay. Uh, but that party was still the main owner and the other side wasn't the main owner, but still did all the work. And then the, the company <laughs> didn't work, right? Yeah, and then yeah. came the accusations, you're not doing it right. Like, dude, yep. you're not here. <laughs> <laughs> what about your if you have clever tips why don't you get involved again right if you're not doing that then shut the hell up right yeah oh yeah to some to some extent though i think founding a company is this weird mix of capitalism and communism 
right? Because on the outside, you have to be a capitalist. You have to be like, how do we earn money? How do we pay the bills? Or this is really super important. But on the inside, you have to kind of be communist. Like we are, we're all in this together. Like everybody's going to bring what they can bring and everybody's going to get out what they need to get out. And we're all going to be, you know, comrades for a little while inside. Um, and, and if you can't maintain that balance, especially with, with friends and implodes, like you said. Yeah, I can tell you it's much easier now that I'm at the average age for a company founder <laughs> than uh, when we founded the first company at age 20 or so, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very different because at age 20, you have all these things going on, right? You're still finding yourself. You want to prove yourself and to everybody else that you are the man, the girl or whatever. Yep. Um, and that kind of like at at our age, at 40-ish plus many years, <laughs> you, you just want to kind of make it, right? And you, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, there's still people that want to be the guy or the person. Yeah, that's fine, but I'm not going to work with them. Yep. Um, but it's in generally you you find people find people at that age where you're like, okay, let's make this happen, right? Um, let's be successful. Let's. Uh, it doesn't yeah. matter. Who's let's go do a thing. Person, yeah. right? And yeah. takes credit or whatever. It's like it has to be all of us because we probably all failed often enough by trying to be the guy. <laughs> and if uh, or do it by by oneself and um, if it is equally mm -hmm. uh, dispersed around many shoulders it's uh, it usually works much better right yeah yeah i think one of one of the first companies that i invested in um was a guy who was that he he was the guy he was doing it all he was gonna carry the load and he finally matured enough to realize oh I can't, I can't do this all by myself. And then he built a team and then the team really made that business just go great guns. Right. So sometimes you gotta, sometimes you gotta fight your way through it to mature enough and hope you don't die before you actually, then the business can survive and grow. Sometimes yeah. you just run smack into a wall like I did and like that, well, too bad. Game over. Go, go work for somebody for a while. That's yeah, and I told you, right, I'm founding yet another company. It's got to be company what is it, five or six or so. And um, yeah, let's see how this one works. <laughs> <laughs> we keep applying all the little bits we learn along the way. And hopefully it'll exactly, better. exactly. Yeah. But the, the ego thing is funny. As you mentioned uh, working for a team, right? So mm -hmm. I, I like working at the... Was it with Jeff? No, we, we talked about it in a different context. I like working, I like having having people in my team that are much younger mm -hmm. than I. Yeah. And I encourage them to let me know if I'm messing up, right? Mm -hmm. And they don't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, I literally don't have an ego. I just want to make this thing look great, be great, do whatever. Tell me if I'm messing up. Yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not 20 anymore. I can take it. It's okay. Yeah, it's it's okay. I don't have an ego. I don't care. I just want to give it. And they're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and and eventually they get there. And that's where I see them develop, right? Yeah. Because then once I let them know that I don't care about being told off, like, no, yeah. this is wrong, right? They don't care. It's kind of the the in, in a basketball analogy or surprise in basketball analogy. It's the <laughs> I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Greg Popovich and Tim Duncan, mm -hmm. where Greg Popovich said, "If I can scream at my best player, future Hall of Famer at that point, and tell him how much he sucks, what is the last guy on the bench gonna say? Like, well, <laughs> if <laughs> if he is okay with being screamed at." What am yeah. I going to do, right? Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I, I think it's 100% true. I think you, you've got to, um, they, they tell, I've heard a bunch of 
different business stories. Uh, one about uh, Mulally at Ford when he took over, about how he told people that he wanted them to report real statuses for all their projects. And the first week, they were all green. And the second week, they were all green. And the third week, they were all green because nobody believed him that he wanted the real status. And then suddenly, somebody came in with one red, and he was sure he was going to get fired. And instead, uh, Alan Mulally just, just said, okay. Who can help this? What, you, what, what can we all do? Let's fix this together. And everybody went, what? Nobody got fired? Oh, oh, maybe it's okay. <laughs> so I think it's just, it's human nature, right? You got you to gotta kind of learn that you are safe and that it's okay to, to tell the boss that this is not working and this is a problem. Um, or it's okay to, to talk to your co-founder and say, hey, uh, I need you to step up here or I need to step back here, whatever we're going to do, right? And yeah. that kind of communication is just super, super critical. And you you got to learn to that it's okay to do it. That's the that's the big yeah. leap. After that, it gets way much better. So. In some podcast um, that I listened to, one of the CMOs um, said that she uh, introduced the the um, most career risking move of the month and uh, the year or whatever. Yeah. And they would have actual awards and an award ceremony and <laughs> whatever. And that uh, one of the guys, and that it really had their team to relax mm -hmm. and just try to become better. Because one of the guys, they had a big, and it's a big retail company and online uh, online um, selling and what's, whatsoever. And he created a promotion and he was able to cut down the entire time that it took them to create that promotion from several months i'm talking three six months down to a few weeks yeah one little issue they said uh, it was like a uh, if you purchase for 50 dollars, you get a certain amount back right yeah that guy with everything that he did it was great and however he said what he did is if you purchase for $50, you get $50 back, right? A kind of reduction in price. Yeah. And that obviously... Yeah. <laughs> Everything's free as long as I only buy it $50 at a time. Yeah. yeah. That obviously doesn't work so well. <laughs> However, she was like, I could have killed the guy, right? Yeah. For, for not seeing that little thing. But instead, I've chose to award the guy because he he managed to reduce the lengthy lengthy process where we probably didn't run enough promotions mm -hmm. from several months to just a few weeks yeah. and everything worked but he just over <laughs> overlooked <laughs> that one little bit bits of information so he said she said when he stood there and he was ready to be fired i she picked something and awarded to called the team together and awarded him the most career risky move of the year. <laughs> they all had a good laugh and then they were fine with seeing that, okay, they didn't have to be perfect. Yeah. Right. They had to try to do the best that they can and try to push the team overall and the company overall to be better. Yeah. But that mistakes could happen and it was totally okay. Um, for that to happen. And, um, have a chuckle let's correct this and move on right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's yeah, not think, do that again yeah just, that's that's psychological safety right is the is the ability to say hey hey we messed up but that's okay because we made a lot of progress as we did it yeah right? we took we took a risk we fell on our face but we learned a whole lot from from doing it um and and when you build a culture that celebrates that especially as a young company that doesn't really celebrate failure, but celebrates the learnings from failure. Like, yeah. no, it's not a good idea to give away 50 bucks with every $50 purchase. Don't do that again. But <laughs> we learned a whole lot. We gained a whole lot. Like celebrate the learning, celebrate the victory yeah. and, and try to figure out how can we all then go and fix the failure um, without building 25 layers of bureaucracy uh, around it to catch every, every possible problem. Right. So um, yeah. But yeah, that that kind of a culture can be really, really healthy and, and can grow really fast. Right? Yeah, I think what what I liked about it was the mistake that that guy made wasn't a mistake because of laziness, sloppiness, or whatever. Yeah. It was because he pushed the envelope so hard 
mm-hmm. that okay there was an oversight and whatever but everything else that was achieved while doing yeah. so naturally there was a mistake <laughs> unfortunately it was that mistake right <laughs> <laughs> um it's uh i think it's a it's a great thing it's a great thing to encourage to lay let's everybody encourage yeah how what can we do to make the company better and if something goes wrong along the way let's okay let's figure it out as a team and correct it as fast as possible but um yeah that push to innovation that push to um not perfection because there's never going to be perfection but kind of like greatness operational greatness or Mm -hmm. create creative greatness i i love that approach right um so yeah it's the yeah it's i I think it's the only way to really get somewhere if you push your employees to try new things right and not hang them out to dry if whatever they try is not working out that well. Yeah, we, had a, we, had, we had a fellow customer, right? They had mm-hmm. it operationalized. Yep. Even in their, in their targets where every employee once a quarter, was it once a quarter? Mm-hmm. They had to do something that is that hasn't been done before or create something new, develop a new idea for yeah. whatever, whatever yeah. the scale was for that. I love that idea too, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think you you hear sometimes when people lament their their company culture and things aren't the way they used to be, and you know we've we've lost a step. Um, it's a lot of times it's because well we used to be able to take those risks. We used to be able to to really try yeah. something new. We, it used to be okay to do something, and now we've become more you know, political or whatever, and it's just not safe or we're not encouraged or you know. You, you, but you're right. You can operationalize risk taking, right? Google famously early in their growth, they they mandated it. Like you have to work some percentage of your time on projects that may or may not turn out to do something, right? And and Gmail, like one of the biggest products in the world, you know, came from somebody's. Hey, I think we can do this thing, right? Um, not even their main job. So you get you get great innovation if you can systematize it and make it safe to to build something that's totally stupid and it <laughs> smashes and falls apart. Okay, but you learned something. You tried something new. It's that's a positive thing. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And so I copy that to to a degree um, where I told my team, I don't want you to be stuck in calls on Fridays. I want you to think. And then they looked at me like, oh, there goes Maurice again. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? I'm supposed to think? What Maybe crazy? think. <laughs> and uh, I was like, yeah, think. But <laughs> I want to know what you thought about on Monday. <laughs> there you go. When we have our team meeting. I want to know what was going on in your head, right? It doesn't have to be the great idea, but I want to know what you thought about and what you wondered about and what you were curious about and, yes. and what you did and what you read up on and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I try to work into my calendar every week um, a couple of blocks where I block off an hour or two, not to scroll through LinkedIn or just pick up the latest news, but to go and dig into something that I'm curious about, some piece of software that I think about working with or some idea some, some yeah. that somebody's written about, something. Um, and I think it's just su- so super important for people to actually take that as a, as a thing. And then also, I think you're exactly right, share it out right here's here's the thing i'm thinking about here's I, I did some research on this i'm working on this and and share it among people and we can everybody can can sort of run with it a little bit or at least learn something yeah it's a kind of our standard question right how do you stay current that, <laughs> that exactly is along that. those lines right yeah, how yeah. do you how do you keep yourself on the heels right yeah. and not settle in whatever settle in means right into your role into your circumstance into mm-hmm. wherever your company is at that point you have to keep yourself and your environment on the heels so that you not falling into the trap of not seeing one of those blind spots right yep yeah yeah yeah, yeah. If you don't for me move... I, for me it's just about s chat gpt 
chat GPT, what should I be learning this week? What should, what should I stay current with this week? And it gives me some answer and off I go. I now have known whatever I need to know. No, I'm joking, but it's, I, I think it is so super critically important that, that people have gotten, many, many, many people have gotten, and I've gotten in this habit myself, of doing the work, working in the business, and not pausing to work on the business, right? To yeah. stop and back out a little bit from where you are and, and go, huh, am I doing this thing right? Uh, am I am I am I doing this the best way that I can be doing it? Is there something new that I should be trying? Is there a different method? And you get you know by the end of Friday you're just exhausted from doing all the work and you go oh, and you just try collapse. to get yeah yeah. But I yeah. think you need to you need to which is why I've started to break out that time to say hey I want to I don't want to do it Friday afternoon because if I do it Friday afternoon I'll just my what I'll be thinking about is is what bourbon should I try this afternoon? That's, <laughs> that's about what I'll think about. Um, but but no, if I, if I break it out earlier in the week, I actually do think about something, learn something, try something new. The bourbon or? <laughs> well, that too, but you know, that's, that's one of the side effects of living in Kentucky. By the way, we had a couple of episodes of a dry spell when it comes to bourbon, but didn't become a topic here for a few yeah. episodes. Have you, yeah, that's, that's have really weird. That? <laughs> we had a bourbon streak and the first three or four episodes and then yeah. dry nothing anymore yeah so here we go we gotta work on 10. that there Maybe you go. come back <laughs> it's, 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 it's around in the turn to come back home so. what is the next thing that you're thinking about what's the next weird project that you're working on <laughs> um uh, i am i am writing a science fiction novel um that the open internet plays a part in i'll just leave it there which is that's a, a ridiculous idea but i've, well, I've been i've i've spent enough why is of it my ridiculous? Life now, well i've spent enough of my life now working around people who are really passionate about keeping the internet open right mm -hmm. and, and being transparent and stuff like that um that I just sort of have this this idea of a so eh, it's because it's science fiction it's a dystopian future story, um, but where the open internet actually plays a, a a part in the in the story the the internet is like a character I guess will be we'll see. nice um, so that's that's one of the, the ridiculous next things that I'm <laughs> there's always something always something weird um, but I'm I'm actually I, I I'm kind of hopeful we'll see see how it turns out but that's also that's also in part um because we had dan rosenberg on the on the show here uh, a yes. couple episodes ago and he like he put his book aside for 20 years or whatever and then finally picked it back up and, and got it published and i was like if dan can do it i can do it like let's go <laughs> let's write a novel that is perfect that yeah how about you what's what's your uh other than founding company number number six or whatever it is what else is what what's new what's upcoming in maurice's life i'm not at the point where i want to start something new other than a company <laughs> it's where i would like to finish something because right? oh, okay. i have a book uh, i don't know if you remember the b-sides book um that's the artsy picture book from new york yeah uh, I've been working on that for quite a while and I haven't gotten nowhere other than selecting the pictures. Uh, the New York Academy needs a couple more courses that I've had in the pipeline for months, if not years, that <laughs> I need to get done. Then I launched a clothing store, clothing line, beginning of the year that <laughs> I somehow need to establish this podcast right um, you're working <laughs> on the podcast i think i uh, i need to finish something off or develop something or doing whatever and not start yet another project <laughs> there you go my um, wife would probably say the same thing about me too so <laughs> yeah i've made a deal okay. with me that i'm not going to have more projects at the same time that i have fingers on one hand Oh, okay. So I'm I'm right up to. <laughs> Let's see. So you have nine fingers on your hand. Is that what it is? It's <laughs> the company book store academy podcast. Now that's it. That's all I can do. Okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> 
It's some weird spidery hand with a bunch of extra fingers on it. That's it. So. Yeah, it's uh, totally fine, right? There you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's a deal I made with myself. If I if I cannot uh, figure it out with one hand, what I'm doing, I'm doing too much. Right. There you go. That's, that's in terms rule. of in terms of new projects, right? Yeah. You can have established products and add new to them. That's fine. Yeah. But you cannot have new projects more than fingers in one hand. But that's literally like a rule of thumb, isn't it? So there you go. Thumb and four friends. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The thumb and four friends. Exactly. Well, that's that's yeah. awesome. I think that's a great place to to wrap up episode 10, Maurice. Yeah. And I as far as I can see, right? You have a you are right at the crossroads of two of them, right? Yes. Uh, <laughs> you're wearing something from our joint clothing line on yeah. our joint podcast, right? So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, my my crazy people podcast shirt. Actually, I really like this. I just I just got it in, but it's actually nice. super comfortable. I'm a, and I'm a big t-shirt guy. I'm a, I'm a like all the time t-shirt guy. I would like to be, but the weather in Germany right now is not allowing me to be the t-shirt guy. <laughs> I'm still the big sweater, some Uniqlo heat wave, heat tech stuff guy right now because I hate freezing. Yeah, I think we're we're. It looks like we're finally out of the flannel shirt. Well, so I was a, I was always a t-shirt and flannel shirt guy over the winter, but now I'm just just be a t-shirt guy. Yeah, I don't have a flannel shirt. I need to get that. <laughs> We can fix that. <laughs> I need to fix that. All right, dear sir. I think that is a fantastic ending to this show. Uh, yes, the crew show, talking about what founding a company is all about, what finding your sales story is all about, and kind of reminiscing about the things that we talked about, be it with Jeff, be it with Austin, or any of the other crazy people that we yeah. either talked about and you've seen the episodes already, or uh, the people that we've already talked about and you haven't seen the episodes yet. There's a lot of great things to come. And um, stay tuned. Don't touch that dial, we used to say, but now click on that mouse. There you go. <laughs> Find us. All right? You guys have a great day. and Talk to you soon. See ya.